a little bit softer. I wasn't as lean as I was. I remember hiding in the bathroom thinking like, what am I doing here? I was so terrified. I actually hid in the bathroom. Like all of these amazing other models are there, tons of photographers, makeup artists, you know, the editors, like they're all there and they watch you as you are taking your photos, as you're, as you're in the pool or you're shooting as the photographer's telling you how to pose and do different things. And Oh my God, I was so terrified, so insecure, and truly had that whole imposter syndrome, like, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. I'm Doug Bobst, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobes, and today I am here with Felicia Romero. Felicia is an eight-time fitness cover model, fitness entrepreneur, public speaker with regular spots on local media, and host of the Diet Dropout podcast. And, you know, Felicia, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you being on the show. I know I was on yours, and I'm just so excited to chat with you. Yeah, me too. I, I loved our first conversation when you were on it at my podcast, and I'm excited to continue the conversation on yours. And congrats on starting this new podcast. I'm really excited for you. Yeah, it's it's, it's quite a journey, and I think just something that hopefully it continues to help others, just like I know with yours. So, you know, it's well, one thing is, do you get a lot of jokes about the whole buy Felicia thing? I wanted to, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to yeah, ask you. all the time. All right. um, but it's funny because, like, you know, you know, obviously people. When I leave the room, they're like, okay, you know, bye, Felicia. But it's those people that actually, you know, take it to another level when they actually, like, enunciate the bye. They're like, bye, Felicia. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I definitely get that quite a bit. Thank you, Friday. <laughs> Thank you, Friday. I know, right? So, you know, we live in a world where it, there's it's so um, superficial, right, where you look at somebody's social media, you might look at somebody on a magazine, and you're like, like, like man, this person must have their life together it must have been like this the entire time and we all know that that it couldn't be further from the truth so kind of like take us back like how did you get you didn't just I'm I'm sure stumble upon you know being on the cover of fitness magazines and starting a podcast take us back a little bit from your journey and how you got to where you are today yeah no definitely it's a great question because you know everyone's journey is different and I think you know through adversity which is you know the title of your podcast really comes all of these all of these growth opportunities. And most of my life, I feel like I've had a ton of challenges and I've always been able to rise up from those challenges. So, you know, I, to start off back in like, you know, middle school and high school, I've always been an athlete. Um, it's crazy. We just had a family get together yesterday and my mom was there and we were celebrating my fiance's son's birthday. And she was telling a story about when I was in junior high and it, and I totally forgot about the story. I was trying out for, for volleyball and I was in seventh grade and I made the team, but I was on second string and I had, you know, great athletic ability, but I was the one that really needed to practice to get better. Um, you know, but I did have the, the talent. I just, you know, needed to kind of grow and get better and, and practice, practice, practice. And she, to- she told a story about when I was in seventh grade and I was second string. And after the season was over, she's like, you know, my mom's super competitive. I think that's where I get it from. She's like, Felicia, I don't want to see you second string anymore. Do you really want to play? And do you want to be good? Do you want to be the best? And I said, yes. 
And she, that very next day, signed me up for a, a like a club volleyball, which is basically a, a, they play year round, a lot more competitive. You're playing, you know, pretty much year round. Signed me up that very next year, eighth grade, after playing for, you know, a full year, I made the team. But not only did I make the team, I was first string and I was MVP that year as well. So, you know, that was, that's been most of my life. That's been most of my story. Um, going to college, I, I played softball at Arizona State. Um, and, you know, in college is when I started actually, I actually started training people, helping people when I was in college um, because, I first started because it was a, an easy way for me to make money um, because I could make my own schedule and train people when I could do it based on my school schedule and things like that. So I just fell in love with it. And it wasn't until my junior year in college is when I fell upon the competition world. Um, I was done with softball. I was there and focused on school and I just needed an outlet. I loved being, I loved competing and I loved, um, that the challenge of getting ready for something. So I saw, you know, at the local gym, I saw a sign for a fitness competition and I was like, wow, that would be really cool. Um, although I had no idea what I was doing, never dieted in my life. I come from a Mexican background and we didn't diet. Like my mom didn't, we didn't count calories. My mom was like, nope, you shouldn't eat that many carbs. Like I didn't grow up that way. Um, so, you know, when I first started dieting, quote unquote, for that first show, it was like a huge wake up call. I remember thinking in my head, gosh, I never want to do this again. <laughs> but then you get through it, you compete. I competed, stepped on stage. I got third, my very first show. And I was hooked mainly because you work all of those weeks. And then to like showcase yourself on stage, I just fell in love with it and continued. And, um, again, I was one of those people who took action and I'm a firm believer that when you take action, it creates, um, momentum, you know, and you just keep going and then it creates opportunity. And most of my opportunity that happened throughout my life was because I took action. So, um, for instance, you know, started competing. I did well at the local stage, decided to go to a national competition for figure competition. So I did, so may, maybe your audience doesn't know that whole background, but basically I competed in the NPC, which is kind of a precursor to the IFBB, which for those that may not know, think Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, the Olympia, that Arnold, was the Arnold. <laughs> Arnold, yes, that was the the that was the the federation that I was involved in. So, my very first national show was the USA's in Vegas in 2007 and I turned pro at my very first national show and again, that just I think honestly I was just really lucky because I don't know if any of you have ever, I don't know if you've ever seen a fitness competition, but honestly, anybody in the top five could be place first. I mean, they all look great. We all, you know, they're all up there. We, they're literally, the bodies are aesthetically really, you know, lean and aesthetically pleasing and symmetrical. And I just, honestly, I feel like it was just my lucky day. I kind of credit it back to around that time. I just had a different look. You know, I was ethnic, you know, I had dark hair, dark features, you know, I, I come from a Mexican background. And before that, there was just a lot of, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. And I think for me, I just 
portrayed something different that had not be, been seen. And I think that's what helped me stand out at that time. And again, it's it's all luck. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Um, same thing after winning that pro card. I was in the lobby um, of that sh- same show. And, you know, an editor uh, of Muscle and Fitness, hers, come up, came up to me and said, hey, Felicia, we would really love to shoot you. We want you to come out in a couple of weeks and shoot for the cover of Muscle and Fitness Hers. So, you know, my story is very unique because honestly, it was just a lot of uh, like opportunity luck, obviously a lot of hard work because I had to get myself in that shape, but I was just in the right place at the right time. And I was just, it was a lot of timing for me um, because I didn't have to like go through all of the, you know, model calls or um, it, it was, I was just presented with these amazing opportunities, um, to be able to shoot for covers like that. Of, you know, I've been on eight time fitness cover model. So I've been on oxygen twice. I've been on flex magazine, their swimsuit edition twice, actually three times. Um, uh, you so know, wait, so wait r- real quick, I don't want to interrupt you, but I think there's like a little bit we can dive into from that is like, yeah. based on the, what you're saying exactly right now, you have like every, at least you would think the woman's dream is Mm -hmm. to be on the cover on these magazines and have like the perfect body and be able to look at themselves in the mirror and be like, you know what? Like I am freaking hot. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, what adversity through that? Because we know that like that kind of stuff doesn't last long term, right? Were you happy, like authentically happy at that point in your life inside or was there stuff you were, stuff you were kind of battling? That's a really good question. And you know, what's crazy is I, I made a post a couple days ago It was a throwback photo of a cover of the 2008 cover, a Flex Magazine cover. I was in a swimsuit, you know, on the coveted Flex Magazine swimsuit issue. And I talked about how insecure I was. And I'll just take you back to that moment of when I was shooting for that magazine. I was 20, mid 20s. I'm I'm, I'm not sure of the age. It was 2008. Um, So mid 20s. I was super insecure. I wasn't, you know, it was post competition. So I tend to put on weight after the competition. So I was a little bit softer. I wasn't as lean as I was. I remember hiding in the bathroom thinking like, what am I doing here? I was so terrified. I actually hid in the bathroom. Like all of these amazing other models are there. Tons of photographers, makeup artists, you know, the editors, like they're all there and they watch you as you are taking your photos, as you're, as you're in the pool or you're shooting as the photographer's telling you how to pose and do different things. And, oh my God, I was so terrified, so insecure and truly had that whole imposter syndrome. Like, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. You know, I don't have the right body type. I'm, you know, not as lean as I was. I even felt at that time, I felt Um, And I don't like to use this word, but I felt fat. You know, I didn't feel lean. I I felt like I was out of shape and I was really self-conscious about my body, you know, and I was already a pro. I had already been shooting for magazines, already had my first muscle and fitness hers cover, and I still had those feelings. And so, no, I I think, you know, I would say now as I'm 37 years old, I'm far more confident now than I was in my mid-20s. And I think that just comes from you know, time and growth and just to know that, you know, there are more important things in life than looking a certain way. And honestly, you know, for those listening, like I, I, I see these covers, like even I, I had an oxygen cover and I, I was looking at it. It was my second cover for them. And I felt like I didn't even really look like myself. You know what I mean? They sort of changed my face a little bit. I, I just didn't look like me. And, um, 
you know, for those listening, I do know that a lot of magazines, you know, they, they alter, they take out freckles, they maybe remove scars. Um, and I do think, you know, this day and age in 2019, I think there are certain magazines that are starting to make that change. They want it to be more real and raw. Um, Strong magazines, a good, you know, example of that. Um, they, they will show all shapes and sizes, all ages. Um, they don't do tons of editing, um, on their photos. Um, and I do think that there are things that are changing, but also too, Doug, like I became well-known in a time when magazines were still popular. People were still buying them. Magazines were still making money. Everything now is so digital. You know, it doesn't have the same sort of like coveted feeling like it did back then. Like I'll just give you an example. Like you know, when I shot for Flex Magazine, there's swimsuit issues. Like, they would fly me out. They paid for my flight. They paid for my hotel. They would pay me. Um, they had makeup artists. They had a whole wardrobe on set. Like, it was it was amazing. It was such an amazing experience. But nowadays, magazines do not have the budget for that. If you want to shoot with a magazine, you'll have to fly yourself out most of the time, um, unless they're, you know, shooting like a big star, like actor or actress or something. But, you know, they'll, you'll usually, they'll have wardrobe, but a lot of times they say, hey, bring some stuff that you're comfortable in. Um, sometimes they have makeup artists, sometimes they don't. Um, so it just depends. But I mean, things have definitely changed from when I, you know, was on magazine covers, you know, years ago. Yeah. And I think you brought up a really important point that I kind of think I wanted to kind of hit home is that, you know, just from my experience. So like, I know, I don't know if I share this on your show, but I was actually competing for a physique competition, like back in the day. And I was down to like 6% body fat. I was ripped. You could see like, I mean, I literally had like a 12 pack. I literally could see all my, all, it was ridiculous. But I was broken inside. Like I was like – and I thought that me getting to that point – and I ended up quitting on the – I ended up not even uh, following through with it. And it just broke me because inside I was spiritually broken. I I had put myself on a pedestal in the vanity of all that stuff and thought that that's what I wanted. And I got to that point and I just remember breaking down and crying because it was just Mm -hmm. not who I wanted to be. And I think especially like – people see these magazines and people see, and they see, you know, people on Instagram and celebrities and they like, they and that's like their, that's like their comparison, right? Is they're comparing like their, their darkness to somebody else's highlight reel. Mm-hmm. And yep. to kind of segue that, so somebody might, you know, they might see kind of you and where you're at now and think that you probably have like the perf have had the perfect love life, the perfect relationships because you look a certain way. You've had a certain amount of success. You're confident with who you are that, you know, got the right guys like fling to you because, because you've been on the cover of these magazines. And I know we've talked and that's kind of like not how it is. So like what adversity have you kind of faced in your relationships that have kind of, you know, I know, I know you're engaged now and you're in a very healthy and happy relationship today, but what adversity have you faced in the past with your relationships? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. And yeah, people, people do assume that, you know, they think that everything has been perfect or, and it's, and it's honestly been quite the opposite, you know, and just to rewind a little bit, I think for me being in in, in the fitness industry and as deep as I was, I did have a lot of, you know, self doubt. Um, I attracted definitely the wrong people, but a lot of that attributed back to childhood, you know, and I don't want to blame like, oh, my dad's not in the picture. That means I'm going to attract the wrong man. I I don't, I don't do that. I don't do the blame game. Um, you know, but I do feel like there are certain habits that were set in place that, and the way that I felt about myself that attracted a certain type of person and the kind of attention that I would get because of 
the industry that I was in or what I was doing. So, you know, there, there definitely has been a lot of years of growth with that and counseling, but yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do feel like, you know, one of those things when I remember being younger and I felt like everything was great with my career, everything was so good with, you know, all of those other aspects, but like, I never had the great relationship and I always felt like, why can't I just have it all? And it was because I was putting so much time and emphasis into other things versus really becoming that truly, you know, balanced person. And for me, it was because I was in that sport of selfishness and I had to, I, I track those types of people. And so, um, going back to just even in my twenties, um, for me, the types of relationships I would track, especially with with men, were um, you know definitely that that kind of narcissistic type personality, um, and I didn't know it. Like I would confuse control with he really cares about me, um, or I would confuse you know those types of those types of abusive behaviors of like definitely the verbal abuse, um, not so much the physical abuse, although. Um, for me, the emotional abuse was those, those really horrible games that couples play with each other, you know, where you break up, you get back together, you say really horrible things or you treat each other horrible. It's like I was for so long addicted to that toxicity because it's all I knew. Um, it was the toxicity of, um, the, either the relationship is really, really, really good or the relationship is really bad. And I couldn't. I didn't know how to be that in between. And that's how my my life was. I was like that even with diet. I was either really extreme, good, like 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 I didn't, you know, quote unquote cheat. I was so perfect on my meal plan. And I I was either all in or all out. There was never an in between. And it wasn't until, you know, I just stayed single for quite a while, you know, four or five years, I was single, I saw a counselor and I focused on myself is when I realized what I was attracting. And, you know, I was extremely codependent. I, you know, mistake, mistook love or control for love. Um, and, and just a lot of those things that I, I didn't realize at the time because I was in it. Um, and I'm glad that I went through all of that. I truly am because I would not appreciate the partner that I'm with now um, because I had to go through that. I had to feel those feelings. I had to go through the heartache. I had to really get like, feel those really deep, horrible feelings. I remember one relationship I was in, he was also my coach, super controlling. Um, again, for whatever reason, I attracted that controlling type man person, which was very similar to my dad, um, with my mom. And I, Remember when we broke up, like I literally felt like my life was ending. Like I wanted so badly to be with him that I just thought, you know, if I continued to be with him, he would change. You know, he was cheating on me. He was very verbally abusive and all of those things. But I wanted to like in my head, I remember thinking like if I could just make him see like how much I love him, he will change. And it wasn't until I finally like completely stopped the relationship and moved on with my life but man, it was so hard. I remember just times where I would just sit on the couch and cry every single night thinking, how am I ever going to get through this? And I get women that, you know, knew me through that time. And when they see me now, they're like, wow, you just, you feel like a totally different person. And, you know, again, I'm glad I went through that. I'm glad I felt that pain because I wouldn't be human if I didn't just like, I'm sure you felt pain in your life. You know, it's that pain is okay. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm glad, like I said, that I've 
gone through those things because number one, it makes me feel human. Number two, it really takes you to a place where I look back now. I'm like, I, you know, I tell Keith as my partner, I'm like, you know what, if this, if we were to, you know, if you were to cheat on me, like I know what that's like, that wouldn't destroy me now. You know what I mean? Because I've already gone through the worst of the worst. It's like, I've, I'm, I've built up this strongness in me. Obviously I would be devastated and I'd be sad, but it's not going to break me because I've been through that and I know what that feels like. And now I know how to get through that. So yeah, I feel like, you know, we've all gone through those things. And those are a lot of stories that people don't know about, you know, me again, you said they, people see fitness, you know, I've owned gyms in the past, but they didn't see all of the struggle that I've had owning those gyms, you know, and all the stress behind the scenes. Um, I think it's very easy to put on this facade on social media. And I also too was that person who, I didn't want anybody to know that I wasn't perfect. Um, again, rewind back to days of, you know, competing and I was a binge eater and I had some eating disorders because of my, uh, food issues and, um, because of the dieting and all of that. And I remember that I would go to parties and I would go to events being absolutely perfect. I wouldn't even take a bite of food and people would actually congratulate me. Oh, wow, Felicia, you are just, you have tons of willpower. You are so good. Oh, no wonder you look like that. It's because, you know, you don't eat this food at the party or whatever it may be. And I would like be like vindicated because of that. Like I felt good because of that. Like, wow, they see this perfect person. But little did they know I was going home after that party because I lived by myself and I would binge eat on everything that I wanted to eat at that party, right? So I would go home and I would, on the way home, I'd maybe pick up some cookies or fast food or whatever it may be, and I would literally binge eat by myself. But I I didn't want anybody to know that or see that. And so I, I would put on this facade that everything was okay, everything was perfect, um, but behind the scenes, it wasn't. Yeah, and I, that's so, so like amazing that you're able to talk about that with such conviction. And... You know, you're right. So many people put on this facade on social media that they're a certain way and then outside of outside of it they're either they're a mess, they're toxic, they're just this and that. And we do a really good job at hiding behind the camera. And you know, this kind of I remember watching I was watching a documentary, um, totally like not related, but I was watching a documentary on a porn star and they were interviewing her and she was telling this story about the abuse and everything else that she had went through. And I remember, I forget who was interviewing her, but she was like, why are you smiling after all this? Like, you're telling me all this stuff and you just seem miserable. She's like, why are you smiling? And she said, because it holds the tears back about how I really feel inside. And yeah. it just kind of really reminds me of what you're sharing. And not that, I mean, totally different industry, right? That people mm-hmm. think that, and I, I just, somebody from, I used to travel with frozen chicken and broccoli and rice on planes <laughs> to the West Coast so I could still eat clean. But I was miserable inside. And people think when you go to these parties that like, oh, you have such great willpower. And then like inside you have this shame and guilt because you're like, man, I wish I could have the willpower to only have a few bites of that stuff and then be able to go home and be okay with myself. Where a lot Mm -hmm. of people, it's like instant like body shaming once they Mm – and like do you you think that – is there a lot – I mean you would think – so I'm going to – kind of ask a question that I kind of already know the answer to, but maybe the audience doesn't know. You would think somebody who gets to a, like a point where you are and all these other people who have gotten on the covers of magazines that they must think their bodies are perfect. Does, do you think body shaming still exists in the competition world and in the, you know, the, 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 the modeling world? Oh yes, absolutely. I, uh, 
you know, it, it's when you are in that environment, um, when you're like hyper focused on your body, on your physique, and when you're in that world, it's you're you're almost like you are put in that position to constantly judge people. You know, you're 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 always either judging yourself or you're comparing yourself or judging another physique or female or male or whatever that might be. Oh, you know, she has better glutes than I am than I do. She's going to do better. She's probably going to place better than me. Um, or, you know, it, it's, it becomes a, this really weird hyper-focused, um, judgment on yourself where you're constantly picking apart all of the negative things on your body. And when you're training for a competition, even when you try to, not make it so about you or not like it, let it consume you or take over. It does because it's nerve wracking, especially if you're a first time competitor, you are scared out of your mind to get on stage in a bikini or in, you know, swim trunks for guys and be judged on your body physically. And even when you tell yourself, well, you know, I just want to go out there and have fun, like deep inside you want to do well, you know what I mean? And so you will do anything. I remember thinking, I remember back, you know, in the day, like if you would have told me to eat dirt and that was going to get me lean, I would have done it. Like that's where my mindset was. That's where my mind was. Like I didn't care whether it was healthy or unhealthy. Like I didn't even know the difference. I just followed what my coach was telling me and I never really spoke up for myself or like valued myself enough to say like, is this okay? Um, because I was so hyper-focused on the show. I was so hyper-focused on my body. And so, yes, body shaming absolutely is still happening. I think it's very easy because of diet culture and the way society is. I think it's slowly changing with social media and, you know, a lot of women being able to go on there with their bodies and, like, stretch marks and all or flab or and say, hey, this is beautiful, and I think that's fantastic. But I think there are some people who see that and – deep inside thinking, oh, wow, I can't believe she's doing that. Or, you know, because we're all so programmed in this diet culture uh, to think of like, to think and to see what a perfect body is and what isn't, you know, and I think we just need to completely take that out of the equation. Like, just stop judging ourselves and our bodies. You know, I saw this quote recently, like, you know, stop congratulating women when they've lost weight. Like when, you know, oh, wow, have you lost weight? You look great. You know what I mean? Like, why do we have to do that? Like, why is that the first thing we see or do? Like, you know what I mean? It's just, or when girls get together and gossip, like, oh, did you see so-and-so? She's gained weight. I wonder what's going on in her life. Like, you know, it's just, it's just this become this very natural thing that people talk about. And I think that we need to change the conversation. You know, we need to change the narrative. Like, why does it, that have to be our main focus? And it wasn't until I changed my environment I changed, you know, I, I you know, obviously retired. I stopped competing. So I stopped becoming so hyper-focused on my body. And I've truly gotten to a place where that no longer, you, that that's no longer a desire of mine. You know, yeah, I have no interest in being unhealthy and I have no interest in being so unhealthy that it affects my way of life and my living. But, you know, I'm not so obsessed to where, you know, I can't enjoy myself at a family function or I can't go to a birthday party like yesterday and have some cake and some pizza. Like, you know, life is so short and, you know, we're not, I don't want to like miss out on opportunities and look back and think, wow, you know, I didn't partake in all of that because I really wanted to fit in my size two jeans. Um, and, and so it, it's like, 
we got to just change the narrative. And so, yeah, to answer your question, I absolutely think there's still body shaming going on. People still have that mindset. And, um, but I think it's slowly changing. I really do. Yeah. And, and it's just like, we have to change the narrative. That's why I love like your, the name of your podcast, the diet dropout, like the word diet is a four letter word. And there's a reason that the first three letters are die. Like it mm-hmm. is like, it's like death of the soul. Right. And I think, you know, we have to change the narrative, how we, how we view each other. And it's not to say that you shouldn't be healthy. It's not to say that you shouldn't lower your blood pressure or drop body fat. What mm-hmm. I think that the narrative needs to be though is not to judge someone solely on how they look because you never know inside what they're battling. They may yeah. be battling some like crippling depression that they can't get out of right now. They might be batting, battling metabolic syndrome. Their mom might have died three weeks ago. You have no idea. Yeah. And um, and so like what like what 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 has how have you shifted from being somebody who was so meticulous about following diets, following plans to kind of where you are now, start, starting this diet dropout podcast? Like what's what's the difference in how you view, how you view food then compared to how you view it now? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. And I, I had to hit an all time low. So. I had to hit an all-time low with just how I felt. And I remember I, tr- I remember the moment. I had woken up. I had horrible anxiety, major, major depression, like the kind of depression where, you know, I would stay at home for days on end. I'd cancel clients. I was really kind of just lost control of myself and my happiness. And, you know, I'd have good days and bad days. And I, I wouldn't want to say I wasn't like clinically depressed where I was went into the doctor and like, wow, you're clinically depressed. But I mean, I had some really down days and I, I didn't know how to get out of that. And I remember making a promise to myself that, you know, I didn't want to live this way anymore. And, you know, I wanted to just live anxiety free and just enjoy my life. And I, I truly had to make that pact with myself. And that slow process, first of all, I, I saw a counselor. I'm very open and I talk about that quite a bit on my podcast on how important it is to talk about this stuff. Um, and I had to get a hold of what was causing the root cause of what was causing my anxiety and depression. And it was, um, bottom line, I mean, it, it was my lack of um, self-love and self-acceptance because I couldn't, I was always trying to chase that perfect body, but it was deeper than that. It was deeper than the food issues that I had. You know, I, I, I did something called, uh, EMDR, which, uh, kind of helps to heal some past trauma. And the past trauma for me was childhood, you know? So, um, I worked on that. I worked with a counselor and it's a form of light therapy that helps you kind of heal and bring out some of the subconscious stuff that you might have deep within. So I did that and um, slowly just started getting better. I obviously I changed my atmosphere. I sold half of my business at that time, which was a gym um, because that part of me was um, still holding on to the past. It was holding on to competition. It was kind of an unhealthy environment for me. Um, that was where my, my abusive relationship was. And so I had to completely sever that. And I did some of the things that I did were kind of extreme. So I don't expect anybody to do anything that I did, but you know, I again, sold half my business, which was an extreme move, but I had to, it was something that I needed to do for me. Um, I moved. So again, I had a lot of bad, uh, feelings and associations on where I was living 
there was a lot of bad things that happened there. So I felt like the energy was caught in the house. I'm, I'm also, just so you know, I'm really big on energy. So I talk about that a lot, about energy and just um, chakras and, you know, all of that. So what, I... What about, so what about chakras? Like that's kind of something that, um, you know, I think people, like they hear the word chakra and they think it's like a, like a twisted like voodoo thing. Yeah, kind of like woo-woo. You know, I'm not a total woo-woo person, but I'm also not... I, I'm like in the mix of like woo-woo and realist, right? I'm like right in between. And because I do feel like the mind can affect so much and our thoughts can affect so much. So when I say, hey, like, you know, gratitude journal, right? In a gratitude journal, like people are like, oh, really? Like what that's what, what is that going to do? It's going to do a lot. Like I can't tell you how much it has changed my life. But so chak- so the chakra, so for me in energy, I was holding on to a lot of blocks in my body and energy in my body that was really holding me back more so in my throat. So your thyroid is in your throat. And for me, when I met with an energy healer, she felt a lot of energy and heat in my throat. So she felt like, wow, you have, you know, you, you have some blockage in your throat chakra and, you know, she'll talk to you and she'll go through some of the things and she kind of hit it right on the head. And I've been working with an energy healer for years, but my issues were, she's like, Felicia, you don't stick up for yourself which was very true. She's like, you um, are kind of a yes person. So you don't say no when you really, you know, you say yes when you really want to say no. And which was absolutely true. Like I mentioned before, I would do competitions and do all of these things that the coaches would tell me, even though in my heart, I'm like, gosh, should I be doing this? Is this healthy? You know, should I be doing two hours of cardio a day? But I just did it. You know, I did it. And I didn't follow my gut or my instinct. All of those things, affected my thyroid over the years where when I was done with my competitions and everything was over, like my thyroid was shot. I developed hypothyroidism, which now I know now I developed something called non-thyroidal thyroid syndrome. Um, and I, my thyroid completely shut down, my adrenal shut down. Um, and that was all connected to my throat chakra. So I worked on that for many years. Um, to heal that. But yeah, I'm, I'm very, very into energy and energy healing. Um, and you know, I, I, I resorted to that, Doug, because I, I was at a moment where I, I had tried everything. You know what I mean? Like, I, I felt like I needed a different outlet. And for me, that spiritual outlet was, was really helpful for me. And it helped me through a lot. Um, So that's kind of why I resorted down that. And then when you are, you know, sick for many years and, you know, I had gained 40 pounds in about six weeks after my last competition, I was so bloated, so inflamed, my adrenal were shot. I was so tired. I could fall asleep at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, and I had tried everything. You kind of get to a place where you're like, man, you know, I want to do non-traditional things. So I got into acupuncture. I started doing hypnotherapy. I did the energy healing. So that's kind of why I kind of went down that route. But yeah, so back to the house, I was in a house where there was a lot of bad energy. So I sold that house (laughs) and I moved. Um, You know, I did some drastic things uh, in order to heal. But that's why I don't know if you realize like, you know, when people go through like something big, like whether they go through a divorce, um, maybe a death, um, maybe a a really bad breakup where, where like their whole life is turned upside down. I don't know if you ever noticed, but people will do some drastic things. And when I say drastic, not in a negative way, like all of a sudden 
you'll see that person traveling everywhere, but they weren't traveling before, you know, like they just need to get away. They need something different. They need the change or they'll get a, you know, they'll cut their hair off or they'll move States. You know, a good friend of mine, I don't know. I just saw that you were on the best life podcast. Um, Danny, uh, Danny and Jill, I mean, after their divorces, they moved across country. You know what I mean? I have another friend of mine who went through a divorce recently and now she's traveling the world. You know what I mean? Like, and she wasn't doing that before when she was married to her husband. So, you know, you go, you do these drastic things to, to just in hopes to feel better, number one, but number two, you just, it's almost like you need to just experience life for a little while. Um, and to get your mind off of things, just to have that distraction. And that's kind of what I had gone through. I, you know, just changed my life change it upside down in order to heal from that horrible breakup and those times in my life. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I think like there's a lot of people that kind of need to hear that because, you know, there's not a one size fits all approach to healing. There's not a one size fits all approach to fitness or spirituality or whatever. And it's like, you got to just try a bunch of different shit and see what sticks and see what works and kind of go whatever it takes to get there because you see a lot of people, they try one thing and then they, it doesn't work and they just kind of quit and they say, you know what, maybe it's just not, I'm just not meant to heal or maybe I'm just not meant to do this. And mm -hmm. it's just really um, inspiring that you really went to that next level to kind of give it all that you can take uh, to mm -hmm. kind of, to kind of, you know, help yourself get through it. And, you know, I love your vulnerability and how, how much you're willing kind of to share. And, and like, if you were, to, if somebody were that you knew, um, we're going through adversity or a dark time. Maybe they're going through, you know, hell, like kind of you've been through, um, you know, what advice kind of would you give them? Mm, that's a good question. I guess the advice. So if I were just to treat that, so if a friend came up to me and she was going through some really dark times, um, first and foremost, I think having a support team, um, is so crucial. Um, my mom, fortunately was just my support system. She was my head of reason. She was that person that will listen to me no matter what, no judgment. You know what I mean? And again, I have not been perfect in my life and you know, she has never judged me. You know, she's listened. She's been that voice of reason for me. So, um, having a support person and a friend that you can call at any time is so crucial. Um, and even if you don't, if you don't have that friend or if you don't have family or anything like that, Seeking a counselor, I think, is first and foremost going to help you. But, you know, that, that day at a time really does mean something. Um, I can assure that person that, you know, I would tell them that you may be feeling this now, but you are going to come back to this moment and you're going to realize and it's going to come to you why you went through this. Because you will get through the dark time and there are seasons in life. I, I can't tell you how many times I felt like my world was ending but you get through it one day at a time. Um, I'm also a firm believer in jumping into something that you're passionate about. Um, and I mentioned distraction earlier, but I, I don't think distraction is the right word. I feel like, you know, finding something that is going to keep your mind occupied. Um, sometimes when we, when we sit in, in with ourselves, um, and, and you know, we talked a little bit about this on our podcast when you, um, chatted with me on, you know, some of the drug you know, things that you were going through. And when you got sober and you were in jail, you had to just sit with yourself. You know what I mean? And you didn't, you couldn't numb yourself out. You couldn't run away from yourself. You had to like truly face yourself. 
And sometimes when we're by ourselves, you know, we sometimes feel that. So if you can jump into a passion or, or you know, what really helps me is, is, is giving to others. So volunteering, um, like I love animals. So I remember during that time, every weekend I would volunteer at a different animal shelter during adoption, whenever they had their adoptions. And I would just sit there for hours with the dogs while they were getting adopted. Um, that helped me tremendously. Um, it's, it's really just going towards those things that make you feel good. First of all, recognizing what that is. And number two, actually doing it. You know what I mean? Um, so those things really help me and time does heal. You will get through it. You will get over it. You will, you know, realize someday looking back, like why I went through that. Um, but all of those things really help me. So, yeah. And I think like everything you, you touched on is, is so important. Like being able to, you know, find something you're passionate about being able to dig deep and like seek out like the things you need to do in your life. And then like, you know, helping other people. It's like, I cannot hit home enough on that point of the importance of giving back to others to help yourself, you know, feel oh, better. Right. It's so fantastic because you take the focus off yourself. You know what I mean? You, you, you take the focus off of you and put that focus into someone else in need that might be even worse off than what you are going through. And I don't want to compare like, you know, what people go through or, Oh, you have this. And that means that you're, you know, what, what you're going through is worse than what I'm going through. Everyone's pain is different. And so when you can give back, gosh, it like, it pulls all that energy away from the, the bad feelings you feel about what you're going through in yourself. And you put all of that energy into something good. It really does make a difference. Yeah, you're right. And like one of the things I do for my, my coaching program that I have is that I have people buy the person, um, either in front of them or behind them in line, um, coffee at Starbucks or Panera, wherever they are just to show. And, and this just show like the, the look on their face that they'll have when they, they, they do something for other, for somebody else. That's not like, um, that's just not about them. And so, you know, I appreciate you hopping on here. You're tons of great insight, tons of, you know, wisdom and information. Where can people find you to kind of like, if they want to know more about your story, know more about like what you're kind of doing these days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm super active on social media. So, you know, at Felicia Romero on Instagram, that's F E L I C I A Romero, R O M as in Mary E R O. Um, I have a website, FeliciaRomero.com. Um, you can get a hold of me on there. I have a little, um, form there that you can fill out and, you know, I'll get that message directly and we can, you know, get in contact if people want coaching or, um, anything like that. And then obviously, you know, social media is great because it allows people to really connect, you know, in the, in the DMS and things like that. So, and I, I answer most of the DMS. Um, so yeah, people can get a hold of me pretty easily. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for hopping on and you you are know, awesome. yeah, folks, like I hope you really appreciated and take the time to take some notes during this episode. Um, I'll make sure to post all her information in the show notes. And, um, once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the adversity advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and we'll see you next time.